0: we all have big dreams but far too often we never give them a chance to come true well that all changes today welcome to just keep learning where we'll help you develop the right mindset be more productive and learn more effectively so you can accomplish anything here's your host justin at just tries our guest today has done many things at a young age She shares about growing up around music, turning professional as a singer, getting more into formal audio production, and then pivoting to the world of podcast creation and marketing. She does an incredible job of breaking down these skills and topics for people interested in audio or music, and her wisdom around goal setting, time management, and life in general was really powerful too. Please welcome to Interview 38, Brianna Ansaldo, a.k.a. Bambi Media. Thank you so much for doing this today. I know that uh, I've followed your content for a long time in podcasting and really anything that you've shared. And I would just love for you to give that classic kind of like self-introduction though, because we all do so many things, sort of who are you and what do you do?
1: Oh, I love that question. Who are you? Who are you really? Uh, It's a great one. I am, well, I'm based in Australia. I run a company called Bambi Media. So it's a podcast and video production company. It's been running now for probably six or seven years. And I love all things audio. So that has been such a big part of my life since I was very small. When I was in grade three, I had a a teacher at school who played the guitar and she sang. She used to sing us her stories, like when it was story time. And I would just fell in love. I was like, what, what is this? Like you can play the guitar and you can sing at the same time. Oh my God. Uh, So I fell in love with audio at that point. And I was actually born completely deaf in one ear. So it was kind of a weird thing, I guess, for me to fall in love with. But I feel like losing one ear has made my other ear insane, which is, I guess, how brain plasticity works. And so I went down that path my whole life, really. I did an audio production degree. I was a touring musician for over a decade. I had songs on film and television and radio and all sorts of stuff. And then I went on a... TV program. So I went on Australian Idol and I went really well in that too, writing my own songs. And I had a chef and I had a driver and I had paparazzi and that was crazy as well. That was a really interesting time of my life, but I didn't like it very much. And then I had a baby with my husband and I didn't really want to tour anymore. I didn't like that lifestyle. It was pretty hectic and I wanted to still do something in audio. And I had this audio production degree. And I fell into podcasting through uh, a client that's actually based in the US called Tim Ballard. And he's quite big over there and he knows kind of everybody and he rescues children from child sex slavery. And it was my first ever show that I edited. It was insane. Like made me cry all the time just because the stories that he had, just really bad. But it was the first moment where I was editing something going, whoa, like this is the power of storytelling. I'm getting sucked into this. I'm feeling emotions and I want to do something. Like I want to change something. I want to help someone based off of this. And that's when my real love for podcasting began.
0: This is incredible. And for me, is one of the reasons why I don't think I'll ever change that first question. In today's day and age, maybe forever before, but I think we are all so multi-passionate and are willing to try different things more than ever before. I think it's a little more societally accepted. And so I find that when I ask that question, which used to be the lazy journalist's way of saying, like, I don't have a lot of research done. So please tell me who you are, is not that at all. It's because at least 10 episodes in a row, I've been like, wait, that's such a fascinating thing that we could talk about for an entire hour, let alone. So now we have four episodes, we could create a whole season. But that's why I just really do love that question. Of those things, one thing I'm really interested that you mentioned was the idea of being into the music career. Mm. That's something that is on my bucket list of at least trying. So are you saying that with a young family and everything, I shouldn't bother trying that at all? (laughs)
1: I think it's the touring more than anything else. Touring is really hard when you have kids and the late nights and all that sort of stuff gets pretty, you get pretty over it. And I'd been doing it for so long at that point that it felt like I I needed it. I'd lost a passion because I had this baby now that there was so much attention and, and focus drawn to this thing. And I was like, oh man, like trying to do anything else right now feels hard and I'm not into it. And if you're trying to be creative, you need to have space to be creative. And at that time in my life, it just wasn't really possible. And it wasn't on my list of things that I felt called to do. So I was so happy to just take a break from it. It's only just now, so what is this, almost eight years later? It's only just now where I'm like, I think I'm gonna start singing again. I think I'm gonna start putting some things out again. I'm gonna get back into it because I have that ignited passion again and it feels so cool. I've been setting up my mics again and because I have all this stuff. I've been setting up all the things again. And previously I'd sit down and I was kind of forcing myself to do it because I was like, I know I'm really good at this. I I should do it because I know it kind of makes me feel good, but it wasn't making me feel good. It was making me nothing. And to me, that was like, okay, well, i just got to give myself more time. And I did.
0: Yeah. And that's fascinating. So in terms of when you first started, like it's been eight years since you stopped. So what age did you say you got into music in the first place?
1: I started doing singing lessons at the age of 10, eight, 8 or 10. And then I started writing songs when I was 13. And that's when it really, yeah, it started to take off. I did lots of Stedfords and I joined bands and I was in choirs and chorales. I did musical theater, like all the things. And then it all kind of went into this space where I started to write really good songs and had a really good band and it all started to come together.
0: I guess first question that I'd love to see your opinion on is, could someone learn how to sing without going to lessons?
1: Yes, you absolutely can. There's not that many things you need to kind of know about singing from the... Can you sing at all? Me? Yeah.
0: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> Who's,
0: who gets to answer that?
1: <laughs> you can always uh, sing at me and I'll give you an honest answer. <laughs> Sorry, but It's... Uh, breath. So if you if you don't go to singing lessons, the key things to know about singing is breath, cheekbones. Weird things that you might think what what is that? How how does that work? Your breath, your diaphragm is where most of your singing voice kind of is controlled from. So if you have a good handle on or if you've done breath work or anything like that, you know that you've got more than just your lungs to work with. That you've got this extra bit down here called your diaphragm. Controlling that, getting good at breathing, is the main thing about singing. And then the next thing is, what is your palate doing? What are your cheekbones doing? If your cheekbones are up, kind of like I'm just constantly smiling, that's just how I am. uh, Singing is all about that. You can sing better by having your cheekbones up and your diaphragm working, so through breathing, and then not being self-conscious because that's the thing. Which sounds
0: so simple, right?
1: Yeah, it's the thing that gets in the way the most because people don't want to like be too loud or they think that they might suck. But if you can't explore it, then you'll never be good at it.
0: It's interesting you say that about the breathing because I think anybody who's asked a question about like how to sing or to get into it, that often comes up first. I need to release this YouTube video, but right before COVID, my whole kind of goal with the content I was creating prior to the podcast was to go meet people and basically do the same thing like meet them and ask interesting questions so i drove to new york city which is from here about a nine hour drive ten hour drive drove there got out of my van got on instagram and met some interesting people and one of them sings down at the world trade center every day on his lunch break oh, and wow. he's one of those people it's, it's incredible and he's one of those people that could be and i hope he does someday just go to that american idol tryout, you know yeah, because yeah. he's so good and people from all over the world because he's in new york city downtown so literally people from all over the world are stopping to listen to him sing every day. And he's incredible. So I said, do you mind coming and you know teaching me how to sing for 10 minutes? <laughs> we spent the whole time either laughing or learning how to breathe. The funny thing is when I try to breathe like that, even just to recite poetry or public speaking, I almost feel like that I, trying to do that makes me more short on breath. Is that because I'm not used to it?
1: It's because you're not used to it. And it's because you're overthinking it. As soon as you overthink it, everything just it just tightens Mm. and then you, you actually, it's the opposite effect. So to release the breath is difficult, but there are a few things that you have to get out of your body or like into your body. I mean, to do to actually make you relax enough that your breath wants to work. So, and I used to be a singing teacher as well. So I guess why, (laughs) why it's going down this kind of route. I used to teach little um, like primary schoolers, uh, just as a little extra job I had, how to sing. And the first thing we would always do is get up, stand up, wiggle our bodies around, shake our heads, drop down to the ground, and then do all these weird exercises where you're going, ho, ho, ha, ha, and like all this crazy stuff to just bleh, like just get it all out of yourself and then come to that space of like, okay, cool, now I feel like an idiot, now I feel relaxed. I've just done some stupid exercises for 15 minutes and I feel like I can actually just let myself go.
0: And the the other reason it's going down this route is because that's the whole nature of the show, and why I use that nickname, just keep learning, and JKL, is around the idea that it's okay to just continue to to learn and and take the next step and whatever comes up. Also, part of my day to day job is I host. Studio might be a powerful term to use, (laughs) but uh, in my office, I have an iMac, I have a couple microphones, I have a keyboard, a little beat pad, and a lot of the youth I work with produce hip hop music. They love to. Some of them have never done it. And I've always wanted to. And some of them are quite good and get like quite a few streams per month on their SoundCloud or whatever. So I'm also this is really quite an interesting topic for me. And then also, you know, the people that may be listening who have thought about these sorts of things. So another question, when you start the breath, like I'm assuming does it is it like track where it's like should be coming in through your nose?
1: Yeah, always. So uh, you always breathe in through the nose. The first exercise that you should always do uh, is you breathe in through the nose and then you get your lips going and you're trying to keep it going. I'll just I'll just demonstrate and then you can try it, okay? This is something that everyone should always do. So you breathe in through your nose, you're trying to like sit up straight so that you've got lots of room. Jiggle yourself around and get shaken out, okay? And then you breathe in through your nose and then you're trying to hold this, as long as possible. Okay, ready? I could just keep going. That is the first thing that you're, do- you're doing. Because when you're doing that sound, your breath controls what your lips are doing. As in, if you go too hard, your lips will stop working properly. It will, they'll stop doing their thing. If you go too narrow, your lips won't keep going with the pressure as well. So that's actually the first thing you do. You breathe in through your nose and you start to try and get a feel for what your what your breath can actually do. And that's the best way to actually test it. So you should test it and just see how you go. Right now? Yeah, do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, one question first. Yeah. When you say that you can basically go like that forever, was that a figure of speech or are you able to reload and keep doing that? Or is it on one breath?
1: Uh, no, you can't reload, it's not, yeah, it's all in one breath.
0: Yeah, right, okay. Uh,
1: and it's, you know, I, I, can, I can go for quite a long time, but that's just my breath control, yeah. But when people first start working with me and they're doing it, they can do it for like maybe five seconds and then it sputters out. And then over the course of a bunch of lessons, they get up to like 30 seconds and it's like this amazing party at this point. But that's the place to start.
0: Like holding your your breath underwater, swimming or diving and those kinds of things, like you're gonna increase. So what's what's yours though, when you say
1: forever? Probably, oh God, I haven't done it in a while. It's probably about 40 seconds or something. It's like okay. fairly, I, I can't quite remember. It's been quite a while since I've done it. But if you can get it soft enough that you're like, because the softness also makes it travel longer as well.
0: Okay, I'll try.
1: Try it. So up straight. Yep, up tall. Breathing. I'm
0: sitting up tall. Come
1: all the way down here in through the nose and then just relax your lips enough that you feel like they can shake. <laughs> so yeah see it's really come again. okay
0: so it didn't sound as loud as yours did though no but is that is that the idea it should sound louder
1: that's the idea it should
0: sound louder though. that's
1: the idea it doesn't have to be louder it just needs to be controlled enough right. from your breath that you feel like you could continue carrying it
0: that's awesome and then sitting or standing when people sing is it just a matter of preference or do you think there's can you breathe better when you're doing either or
1: if you're sitting, it's always back straight. Standing is is better if you feel comfortable, but I grew up always at the front of my chair. Like It's really difficult for me to sit into a chair these days. If you're sitting at the front of your chair, it forces you to have your back straight. Right. So, if you're going to be doing that and you're sitting, fine. Sit at the front of your chair, forces you to sit up. It's also just great for your posture. Mm-hmm. If you're standing, it's a lot easier, but the thing with standing as well is that people still tend to hunch. They kind of forget So, if you're trying to learn how to sing, sing in front of a mirror. Do your practice in front of a mirror, which is always what I had to do. And you're constantly assessing what your body's doing and what your face is doing.
0: Oh, that's incredible. So, those are all the first steps. Is there any second step for people who want to get into singing?
1: Yeah. Then the next one that's a good sort of exercise to do once you feel like, okay, I got a bit of breath. I can know what I'm doing. I can control this thing. Then the next thing is you want to do a thing called sirens. And sirens are when, and I'll have to go back for the mic. So I don't like kill everybody in their ears. (laughs) Uh, But sirens is when you just relax into what is a siren. So you go, "Ah!" like as high as you can go and as low as you can go. And that's, Relaxing your voice box, your larynx, it's relaxing it all and also giving your brain a sense of what your voice can do without you being attached to any outcome or to it being with a song or a particular melody or anything like that. That allows you to f- experience letting go of your voice and knowing that you're doing something stupid and being okay with it because it's a, you know, technique. It's a part of the training.
0: Right. Isn't that a metaphor for life?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's
0: exactly. <laughs> Let go of the results.
1: Yes. That's, I think, why I love singing so much. And the more I've looked at it like that from a business point of view, I take it, take it with me now to go, okay, well, it's all about breath. It's all about passion, letting things go, being stupid, you know, trying, failing, you're going to suck, all of this. And it's also this massive, like, it's so hard, To sing and not feel judged, right? You're judging yourself for it, going, well, I sound bad, but you keep doing it
0: hmm If I had to pick singing or dancing, I would definitely pick singing. That would be a little less of a vulnerable act for me than dancing, but we're talking like miniature differences, I think. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just something that's really, it's very interesting to me again, because I know a lot of adults who say like, I can't sing. Similar to people will say I can't draw or what have you. And just prior to hopping on this call, putting my daughter to bed, we had the um uh, Star is Born soundtrack playing. And Oh, nice. Yeah. And so the idea of Bradley Cooper, who's an actor, I don't know if he sang previously in his life. From what I understand, I don't think he really did, but it's someone that he was interested in and uh, trained up for that particular movie role. And yeah, if I were to get into singing, it'd probably be similar style of music, that or hip hop, some really fast poetry. But it's, uh, it's definitely on my sort of bucket list or the idea of trying things in the future. <laughs> I guess that's one of those interesting things too, that a lot of people think like, how do you feel about the idea of somebody getting into that if they've never sang and they're 50 years old or something (laughs) do you think they could start
1: yeah hell yeah that makes me so even you saying that makes me so happy to imagine some 50 60 seven year old person just going you know what i'm gonna give it a go and it's just it's so freeing like when you start doing it and i guess it's similar if you feel like you have an affinity to dancing i am a terrible dancer like i'm the most awkward person but again i don't really care but With singing, yeah, like just try it at any age, but try it by yourself first. Like feel like go into some sort of shut yourself off, put like a karaoke version of something on YouTube and just sing with that with headphones on so that you can't even really hear yourself all that well. That's a really nice way to start if you feel like you want to just get something out and then work yourself up from there.
0: I guess we could talk about singing for hours or days or whatever, but I'm sure we won't for the entire thing. We've got lots to chat about. But along those lines, though, working yourself up from there, what does that look like? Like printing out lyrics and then trying to sing them to the music and just doing that over and over and over again?
1: Yeah, you just keep trying different songs. I find is the, the best way to do it. So firstly, you're doing those little training things that you need to do, like you're exploring your breath all the time, you're doing the brrr, you're doing the sirens, you're getting a sense of like what your vocal range is from the sirens as well, like how high can I go? How low can I go? You're doing those things first and then thinking about and making a list of all the songs you love and then going to YouTube because you know the melody so well. So it won't be difficult for you in that regard because you know the melodies. Go there headphones on by yourself, you're not really kind of listening to yourself too much, but you're getting a sense for it. Then sort of do one ear off a bit, you know, get a bit of a sense of what you are listening, what you're sounding like after maybe a few tries so that you're feeling more comfortable with it. But don't stay attached to any song for too long. The mistake that people go is they try and like perfect one song, but then they get bored of that song and then they kind of get over it. So I would say do a song maybe five times, move on and then just keep doing that.
0: That's interesting. I think that could really be a helpful thing. I, I see a lot of people do that with something like guitar too, right? Like they're going to learn Free Falling by Tom Petty. Yeah. That takes eight months and they get it down and it's like, you know, like you said, I'm bored or they almost get it. It's like, well, why didn't you try some other songs to mix up the energy a bit? Something else. Yeah. That's really, that's, uh, you yeah, know, that's interesting. Yeah. And then you sign the record deal and that's it?
1: Yeah. And then, and then boom. Yeah. And then Yeah. <laughs> You're done. Yeah. But,
0: yeah. Game over. Uh, no, this is awesome. I, I love, you know, telling people that you can turn things into a full-time gig. You can try things out as a hobby or anywhere in between. And that continuum can slide back and forth. And clearly your life is a great example of that as it relates to music. What in terms of the songwriting stuff, you know, because clearly you're a wealth of knowledge in this, this whole world. And I just love hearing about this. I'm sure it will help lots of people. Songwriting is maybe as big or bigger a part of the youth that I often work with singing because a lot of times they don't end up recording the things that they write anyways but it still serves a a purpose you know so what are some thoughts that you have when it comes to songwriting because you said you got into songwriting next
1: yeah i did so the first thing i actually did was i used to write a lot of poetry when i was around that kind of 13 age too and i started to just write a bunch of stuff and that's what came first So you get good at writing prose, you get good at exploring what an interesting syllable is, you know, and a a phrase, what does a phrase look like? When do you want something to rhyme? When do you not want something to rhyme? You know, that sort of thing that comes first not having it attached to any melody, to anything like that, but getting good at crafting a poem, uh, because that is what songwriting feels like to me. It's just an expression musically of poetry. So I did do that next. I used to read a lot of poetry. I used to read a lot of quotes, you know, from sort of famous people. And I had quotes all over my walls on the back of CDs, like back in the day. And that's the next step. So in songwriting, yeah, write poetry, don't be attached. Again, you'll see this theme from me all the time. Never be attached to an outcome. That perfectionism is not a thing that exists for me. I just go, well, let's see what comes out here, you know, and then, meh. That's all right. Kind of sucks. Let's move on to something else. And I would always have a pad with me as well. I'd always have a little writing pad and I just noticed things. I got really good at noticing things. I wouldn't write about my personal experiences so much because I felt like my life was a bit too easy, but I would take experiences from others and I would be very good at talking to people and getting really deep into what's going on with them and then exploring that in poetry, writing things out, looking what was happening with my parents, with my family, whatever. That's where songwriting started.
0: That's interesting that you mentioned that because I said just a couple minutes ago that, well, maybe I will sing someday or I'll just do really fast poetry. Yeah. Because that's certainly, we have a lot in common that way. Like I have, I could flip through the notes on my phone and it's kind of almost like I have like just a million little hip hop bars, really kind of like short poems, paragraphs, little mini, like you said, phrases and things that are in there. There's probably a thousand, but that's just more sort of like a, a thing that I like to do for my own mental health or whatever it is, a little hobby that, but someday those could become songs. Maybe if I went, that route or writing for somebody else, maybe. Yeah. The other thing that I'm really interested about that is because I think there's so many different ways. Like some people start with a melody and then hum it and then start putting words to it. Some people just start with kind of like a story I want to write about. While well, you mentioned, you know, human trafficking and maybe they know that the video is going to have to do with that world. And so how can I go embed myself in this and learn about it a bit and then write about it? Like there's so many different ways that songwriters come up with their stuff. So did yours pretty well always start with poetry? Like if you were to go write a song tonight. Is that the same way you would start?
1: No. So I started with the poetry and I never had melodies for these poems. When I started to feel like I wanted to explore songwriting, it changed because I learned the guitar and I learned the piano. It then always started with a feeling on the piano or a feeling on the guitar. So I would play a few chords and I'd sort of get a feel for kind of what the melody was going to feel like, like the emotion in the song. And then from that emotion that I'd created just from messing around, you know, and I might be messing around for a couple of minutes or it could be a couple of days messing around until I feel like I've got like a good pattern. And then I would go based on the melody that I can hear, based on the feeling that I've created in this piano or guitar and the melody that I kind of have in my head, what theme makes sense for this melody? Like what's the topic? And if it was kind of sad, then I might pull from experiences that felt a bit sad and I'd start to go from there. But the poetry was kind of coming out through that next step. So it's like I had to learn to poem, you know, do poems first and then express those in song through melody.
0: Well, I think jealousy would be a strong term, but the fact that you can play the piano, play the guitar, probably other instruments you haven't mentioned, sing and write songs is something that I'm like, oh, I want to learn how to do all of that, but I'll have to do... One piece at a time at some day in the not too distant future. But that that is really interesting because I do feel a lot of people who have never done it before think that it comes from like the same way you would write a blog post. You know, I'm going to sit down with my pen and my pad and I'm going to write. But when I've heard actual professionals explain it, it's always I think anybody who's actually a professional has explained it more about it coming from the music and then putting the words to it, like you were saying. So that's interesting.
1: yeah. Yeah, you feel like you get an emotion. An emotion comes up in you that you can't ignore it, you know, and then it sort of just bleh. it just comes out. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's so good.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. So what is when you say that it is starting again for you? What does that look like? Like, Are you starting to write again? You're starting to play the guitar and the piano? Like where are we headed as far as you're possible? I won't put any pressure and no outcomes <laughs> on the situation. Good. But what are your inputs?
1: The input, so I got myself a little Alesis V61. So it's a little, you can't see it, unfortunately, Um, but I've got this little keyboard now that just sits on my desk. It's 46 keys or something. And it's a little MIDI keyboard. So it's there all the time. That was the first step for me. Do I feel like playing? It's right here. It's not over here. It's not behind me because I've got like a big keyboard as well, but it's too big for the desk. And I was finding I wasn't compelled. It's actually in a different, we've got a whole music room now with all the music gear. But in my day, I felt like I needed those creative moments. Mm-hmm. So I bought myself this little thing, sits here, I turn it on and I'm listening to music or I'm invoicing or whatever, you know, doing something to do with my business. And then I'll take a moment and just start, you know, just on the, on the keyboard. So that's as much attention as I give it. That's like the first step for me to get back into it.
0: So not singing or songwriting right now?
1: Not songwriting right now. Just fiddling around with this and I've I've been starting to sing again. So I actually have a TikTok that I created, which is fun. That's just for my singing and I just have my nice setup and everything. And then once a week on a Sunday, I pick a song that I like and I just sing it. That's it.
0: Well, what's that TikTok handle? Is it within your same brand or is it different?
1: I think it's Bambi Singer. No, hang on. Okay. I'll find out.
0: Well, be sure to check it out.
1: Yeah. Let me just see. Yeah, at Bambi Singer. Cool. So I've got like five videos in there at the moment. And it's just, you know, just my Sunday afternoon, Mm -hmm. chill time. Let's do this for an hour. Pick a song I like and just sing it and that's as much. I don't have any preconceived ideas about where that's going or what it's doing. I I don't care. Like I honestly don't care. I'm just enjoying doing it.
0: Now, along those lines of when you first got into it and you were younger, like if, you know, parents were listening to this and someone was to to be getting into that industry or they have a son or daughter who's just really ambitious about wanting to get into that world. Is there any advice that you would give them about maybe fears or, you know, I'm sure there's lots of positives, but things that would come to mind in terms of aspiring to become a singer?
1: It's very uh, difficult. <laughs> so it's not a like traditional career, right? It's not like you get a degree and then you there's jobs that you can apply for. That doesn't really happen. You have to be so passionate about it. That you feel like you can't do anything else Like it's your thing And then it doesn't really matter how long it takes And if that means that you have to do another job on the side Like a, you know, I had many other little jobs I was working in a warehouse for a while Packing CD orders And I loved that Because I could listen to music all day and walk around i got a lot of exercise in And I was earning good money And I was going to uni And I was, you know, being a musician as well So I was never like, oh, I'm attached again No attachment to needing to be good at this thing and be famous and be massive straight away. It was all the learning process for it. But you do have to put yourself out there repeatedly and often. And it's even easier now than it was for me back when I started because social media is like crazy big. And if you really want to get something going, you know, you see Gary Vee stuff all the time where it's like you just need to post all the time.
0: Yeah, and as of this recording and moving forward, I'm really interested to see what happens. I'm always kind of aware of trends and and seeing them a little bit. And the TikTok effect is going to spill out onto all the other platforms where that's sort of like virality, Mm. one-off opportunities. And in fact, I think YouTube's algorithm has actually changed and they've really been trying to reinforce the idea that we could, it's like one big America's Got Talent or Australia's Got Talent show is what social media seems to be right now. And I think it's, it's a fun time, like the next couple of years Will be really interesting because you post that one song, and I think the virality option is there for more people now, even beyond just TikTok when it first started. So yeah. um, I guess there's there's danger to that too, and growing too fast on social media when it comes to the idea of non traditional careers. Though I guess podcasting fits into that too. <laughs>
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally.
0: (laughs) And uh, on that topic, there's a lot that you do in that world. You mentioned um, being first interested in, in audio when you were in the third grade and falling in love with, I guess you said, because your teacher was playing guitar, then music for you, and then podcasting and audio as specific as podcasting. How did you enter the world of podcasting?
1: So I entered the world because I, as I said, like I took a break from being a musician and I went on a site called Upwork. It's a freelance website. And I was just looking for some random jobs. You know, I didn't really need to be doing anything much at that point, but I was like, eh, let's see what's going on here. And I started transcribing. I'd never transcribed before, but I love typing. And so the stuff that I was listening to, I was like, man, what, what are podcasts? I've got no idea. And being from Australia, I was only really transcribing U.S., At the moment, because podcasting wasn't even a thing here yet. But I was like, "What? this is so cool. I'm just transcribing this. And then I thought, I have a degree in this. I'm awesome at editing. Like I've worked in studios. I know what I'm doing. I could totally edit these things. That is where it started. Hmm. So I went from transcribing to then podcasting. And then literally the first job that I got was with Tim Ballard and Mark Mabry and Slave Stealer, the podcast So it started with them, which was just the best possible job that I could have started with. And then it just went more and more. I just got more and more, I guess, because I did a good job, you know, I got more and more clients. I got really good referrals from people and I started just doing a lot of it, still working in naps and, and things around, you know, children cycles, but it started there.
0: Children's cycles. I like that term. We'll, we can get into that in a second for sure. But it's the second time that you mentioned that first, I don't know if contract is the right word, but that first, like, kind of semi permanent gig working for them on their particular show. And I hate to pass over that topic because uh, human trafficking is definitely something that's close to my heart. Those poem bars that I've mentioned, I've written like an entire poem about youth that I know that have been survivors of. And with respect to that show specifically, for a second, I think you mentioned that it was tough to kind of listen to and learn about through their show. Yeah. Just tell me a bit about their show and what their show's about, because I haven't heard about it.
1: Oh, so good. So Tim Ballard was an ex-CIA agent, as I mentioned. When he was working for the CIA, he used to do this kind of thing, obviously lots of different things but he used to do this kind of thing. And it got to a point where being in the government system, he couldn't do all the things that he wanted to do. There was all these barriers and bureaucracy and things that meant that he couldn't actually work the way he needed to work. And he just wasn't having the impact that he needed to have. So he quit working for the CIA. He started his own company with just him and like a few guys at that point who were also ex-CIA. And they started going overseas to different countries and and actually just busting, like posing as sex traffickers, saying that they wanted to have, well not sex traffickers, they were the guys that wanted to, you know, take these children. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so they would be disguised or whatever. And then they'd take the kids and return them to their parents or get them into a re- rehabilitation or whatever. And so every episode was an exploration of a particular bust, which was like, whoa. You know, I didn't even at that point know that this stuff existed. I was so naive. It was really beautiful, like just to witness what they were doing, how selfless they were and what an impact they were making on all these people, all these children all over the world. Absolutely incredible. That show went for about four seasons, I think. It was a lot of really fantastic episodes
0: read my mind i was going to ask if it's episodic and if yeah. it's still going on or no. if it was just kind of like a couple seasons and they left it at that
1: yeah tim got very busy <laughs> after that like he's you look him up he's wow quite incredible
0: I'm sure. You can get as busy as you'd want, I'm sure, in that industry. And certainly when these things are so intrinsically tied to our heart and our values and our missions and our why statements, it's like you could just spend 24 hours just like, oh shit, when am I supposed to sleep or whatever, you know, because these missions are so big. And that's something that I struggle with too. But uh, it's, it's yeah, yeah, I definitely will look them up. Along those lines though of Is it seasons or episodes or whatever? I think that one of those things that you've certainly provided anytime you've been on a show or been able to do uh, a stream to people or your own content is really helping people start their shows, you know? So to make sure that we get that sort of like masterclass in podcasting element here for people who might want to start, I think a great question is always like somebody else is listening to this. They want to start a show and what's their first step?
1: First step. Okay. First step is what's your idea and does anyone care? is absolutely the first. If your idea is an idea that already exists, which most of them are, how is your show any better than someone else's? Or how is your show any different to someone else's? Because there's a lot of copycatting and there's a lot of like, I'm going to do a business marketing podcast. Okay. There's like 50 billion of those. Who are you? Why are you interesting? And why is your topic different in some way. So if you're going, if you've got an idea for something, you need to do a little bit of research into what else is out there. And then you need to go, okay, based off of that, who am I What's my flavor and how am I going to bring that in?
0: And you mentioned, um, does anybody care? How does one go about testing that?
1: It is something that you kind of, if there's no other podcasts that exist on that topic, it's mostly because no one cares. (laughs) (laughs) Or uh, like that that's something that's a good way to test. Like if you can't find any information about the thing and if you Google it, there's like not a lot of search results or they're really obscure. That's kind of a bit of a test to be like, okay, well maybe the waters aren't really warm enough here for me to kind of time into this because the market research is important for podcasting. If you go to a site called answer the public, that's also a good way of knowing what people are asking about a topic. So if you have a topic in, in mind or a theme in mind, you can go to that site and then you get like this diagram type thing, which is really cool of what people are asking about that thing. And then that helps you form. Okay. A lot of people are asking about this. I'm onto something.
0: Yeah. And I think that's huge because that is something that I find as experts in something, it's so hard to put ourselves back in those shoes. And you did an incredible job with singing like that was amazing. But so often the teaching part is hard for people, right? Because it's so second nature to them to do these things effectively that they forget what those moments were like. And one of those for me with whether it's online business, could be blogging, or in this case, coming up with maybe a YouTube channel topic, or in this case, coming up with a podcast theme. It's like, I remember when I thought like, okay, what's nobody else doing? Like the Steve Jobs of coming up with content. And it's like, well, on the internet, that's not really what you want. You want other people searching that. You want volume of interest. And e-commerce, too, is another example. Like, I would never think to be like, okay, well, what else is going well? But you could put your own spin on it, right?
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. It's, it is the best way to test it. Unless you've got something that you're like, Whoa, I'm super passionate about this thing again. And it's going to be really funny or it's going to be, you know, really off axis. It's really
0: like the human trafficking as an example.
1: Yeah. Something that's kind of weird or just, but you have enough marketing pizzazz in you to push it then you don't have to be so concerned with like, what are the keywords and blah, 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 because you know there's not gonna be much out there like that, but you have to be, oh, it's a lot more like, there's not a lot of organic search that people are gonna be giving you. It's you providing good assets, it's videos, it's, you know, getting on all the social platforms and it's hashtagging anything that can be remotely like that. It's using kind of remote keywords, but it's putting out a bunch of content. If it feels like it's something really new, And know that that's not going to take off necessarily probably for quite a while because you've got to get a lot of traction in it and a lot of proof of concept for people because whenever something is new for people, they need like proof. So you have to be doing it for quite a while before it'll start to take off.
0: And there's a perfect example of being like the expert and the guru and then going through it fairly quickly because I love all those things you just hit on really quickly. Somebody listening and wanting to build the brand and marketing pizzazz and they're like, okay, wait, how do I know if I have marketing pizzazz? Like and creating those assets in what way? What's the pizzazz? Yeah, like if we could stick on that for a second, like some kind of tips that you would give a class who was coming to a a one evening tutorial on uh, building the brand and the marketing pizzazz from Bambi Media, what would be some pointers there?
1: Yeah. The first point of there, if it's like completely new for you is you you need to try a bunch of different things. And you also need to try a bunch of different platforms, like social platforms, because how you portray yourself might not work for one platform versus another. And then you need to try, okay. So let's say in the podcasting world, you're starting a podcast. You're going to have solo episodes. You're going to have guest episodes. How are you recording those episodes? That's the first step. So in this case, Squadcast is being used. Podcast is great because it gives you high quality video and audio. That's the first step. You want to get video and audio because in this day and age, if you're just audio, you're not going to be able to share as prolifically on social media because people are very used to those audiograms that you see now where there's like an image and it's kind of a graphic and there's like waveform and some captions. People are very used to seeing those. So the engagement on those is quite low. So from a marketing point of view, that's not worth it for your time. So if you can video everything, Even if you look like crap one day and you're like, you know, I don't really want to share this. (laughs) I I feel like I look bollocks. (laughs) People love the vulnerability around that as well. So again, Mm -hmm. don't be attached to how you perceive yourself. It's more about having the content there. So starting a podcast, always video and audio, and then always try and strip some video out and put it on some platforms. When you first start, you won't really have an idea of what your brand is. So you won't know what your fonts are. You won't necessarily know what your colors are. Try a bunch of things until it feels like it sticks. And again, you don't have to be attached to this is me now. It can change over time. The first logo I had for Bambi Media was like a pair of headphones with a black background. And the logo was off of, you know, some free logo site thing. Just because I was like, I got to get something out. And I can reiterate it as I go. Marketing is like that as well. Have a plan who you're trying to reach and try a bunch of things until you start to form who you are and what the podcast mission is as you go.
0: Right. When you say who you're trying to reach, do you would you coach people to get like hyper specific? in terms of who that sort of like client avatar is to use a businessy term? Or is it more like what's that overall demo or like how specific?
1: Yeah, I don't get too specific these days just because it is something that evolves over time. I'll have a general, again, if it's like a... Comedy. Okay, so we've got a client called The Wholesome Show and they have a science and comedy podcast. Flippin' hilarious, by the way, like it's such a great podcast. Their audience is a particular type of person, but we don't go, we're only gonna try and target that so much in the what we're giving as branding. We'll give a general sense. They're probably around this age. They probably skew male. They're probably a bit more intellectual. That's kind of as much as we, as we go. Cause I think when people get too attached to like a client avatar, especially in podcasting, it's, it's a bit too narrow. Right. And there can be more that someone else outside of that avatar can get from your information. And again, you evolve over time how you deliver what you deliver, the podcast changes over time. So don't be too attached.
0: I can certainly agree and tell many stories that would waste our time right now on that front. But when you said uh, the idea of having solo and interview shows, that stood out to me too. That was interesting because I've certainly seen different opinions about the idea of picking a style or a theme and sort of sticking with it. Do you think it's best to mix it up or do you think it just depends on the type of show?
1: It depends completely on the type of show. Uh, And it depends on how much time you have as the creator of that show. So for me personally, for the Pump Up Your Podcast that I was doing, I've taken a break on for um, a little bit at the moment, but that was just all solo episodes, 15 minutes or less. Bam, here's a topic, here's the answer. Bam, here's a topic, here's the answer. Bam, blah, 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 blah. That works really great. For me, for that type of show. And people don't come to that show going, oh, I want to listen to an interview. No one cares about that, really. And I don't care for it either for that show. For your show, you know, you have that bit of a mix.
0: Me personally. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's interesting. The part about the story that I wasn't going to bore us with, but I just started adding solos and I was so hesitant to do it. And people have been telling me for years to do it. And I just started last week.
1: (laughs) And those solo episodes. Yeah,
0: because I didn't want to mess with the vibe. No. Sorry to cut you off there. I didn't want to mess. Like, you know, again, this is not my episode, certainly, but that's the, there's a lot of backstory as to how, why I wasn't doing solos. The main thing, if I picked one, being I didn't want to confuse people who came for the interviews.
1: Mm, But. You're really interesting as a person and you're also building your own personal brand. So I'm more drawn to your solo episodes because I want to hear more about you. And then that helps me feel connected enough that I feel like I want to hear how you interview people because I find you interesting. I find you intellectual enough or whatever that I think the way you interview people will be interesting. The conversations will be interesting. When you do solo episodes, you're building yourself up as a thought leader in whatever your thing is. When you do interview episodes, you're building yourself up as a good interviewer of others. Right. When you do both, it brings it together and it's a beautiful little place to be.
0: Well, I appreciate that in terms of the specific part, because like I said, we're four days into bringing both together and getting over that vulnerability of what I preach anyways, right? Yeah. Putting yourself out there and just doing it. And uh, it took a good year to get over that fact, but certainly I'm excited to see where it goes. You mentioned that, and that's also me learning how to take a compliment too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I'm getting better at it. Good. I'm not going to argue with you. Good. Uh, <laughs> The idea, you said it's not going to take off right away. So when we're looking at a show and we're thinking of it taking off, or for those of us who aspire to have something be, you know, okay, it's not going to be maybe like Joe Rogan or Caller Daddy or one of these massive podcasts, but you want to be able to be more of a full-time creator in the space. Like what does taking off look like? What is sort of the analytics or goals that people realistically should set? And I guess, how does that, you know, lead into how, do, how does one monetize their shows?
1: Hmm, that's a good topic. (laughs) The metrics you're kind of looking for, if you're wanting, well, oh gosh, there's so many ways that we can go down even a conversation around monetizing and all the ways you can do that, what to look out for there. But building a show, you'll start with, let's say completely new show, you might start with 50 downloads, let's say, less than around 50 downloads per episode within seven days of a release of that episode. You start to gain traction probably around, and this is if you're doing consistent other things as well. So, if you're posting to your socials and you're spreading that, if you're doing maybe some LinkedIn articles or you're doing medium articles on particular topics, you've got a blog or whatever. So, it's not just the podcast, but you're, you have a circle of marketing that you're doing around the show. Uh, within sort of six months, you start to really get a bit more traction and it starts to build and then you get to like maybe 100, 150 downloads an episode. It really starts to snowball. I see it with pretty much every client that we have and we have over 60 clients and I see what they start with and they all start with something different because of their, it's always to do with where their social following has or a community has started from. So the smaller the following to begin with, the smaller downloads you'll have. And then it kind of grows exponentially from there. When you're starting to hit around like five-ish, three to five thousand downloads per month, that's when you can start to go, mm, all right, I'm kind of getting a bit of a crew here. Like this feels like it's starting to gain some traction. And that's where you can have start to have niche sponsorship opportunities. And they are the best ones to have. This is where you approach someone specific. a a specific brand, someone you love, and you have a really targeted audience at that point and you have a lot of data statistically of the kind of people that are listening to your show. So three to 5,000 can start to actually approach and and then it just kind of, it grows from there. But I see that around that three to five is where it really starts to, the conversations can get very interesting. But it doesn't mean you can't make money well before that. I mean, I know Buzzsprout and Blueberry and every other podcast podcast, host now is saying, you can put dynamic ads in your show now, you know, and you can start to make a bit of money. I say no to that personally, just because I feel like it cheapens the, like what you're trying to do when you start out. I don't think you should really have, this is my personal opinion. I don't think you should really have like ads in your show to make, you know, a, a little tiny bit of money to begin with. I think you just have nothing. Get really good, get consistent, And then if you want to put some Buzzsprout dynamic ads or Blueberry or Podbean or whoever, you can do that. Dynamic ads, meaning they're like programmatic ads that you can kind of like YouTube ads, you know, they get served to your podcast and they kind of get plopped in. You can start making money like that through advertising, but they're not sponsors that you've chased it's like, here's some options. You can opt in and say, yeah, I'm happy to have this ad on my show. So you can make a little bit of money like that. I don't do that with any of our clients. I get them to a point where I'm, they're meaty. And then we start having those kind of conversations. If you want to try and make money off of not sponsorships and advertising, the other ways to do it is to have an offer Mm -hmm. of yours. It's your show. What are you selling? Is there something that you can offer people? Is it an ebook? Is it subscribing to a newsletter? Is it having a community that they pay $5 a month for and you have this little community of things going on? Is it, you know, private sessions, a private podcast? There's other ways that you can get like a niche audience in and start paying you a little bit of money because you deserve to be paid. Takes a lot of time. You can do it there too.
0: Yeah. And it's so interesting because I don't know if it's my own, like, again, kind of insecurities or just decision-making or trying to figure the world of life out. Right. But I would love to like continue to hold my breath till there's millions of subscribers and then just figure it out. Like, just, I don't know, what do we want to do now? You know? And yeah, I have had at least one fairly influential business person offline after we recorded say, like, you know, she said, I I think someone's going to underwrite this show if you start getting consistent. And I I went through a lot in the last couple of years that led to me, like basically not having too many episodes and am now really focused. And like you said, being consistent on socials and with the uploads, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. But that idea of kind of overall sponsorship or brought to you by kind of concept is is definitely the big dream stuff. But um, I love what you said about music that kind of brings us full circle because focusing on the inputs and the things that we love and not being attached to the results is just greatly valuable. Yeah. One thing I want to make sure to touch on is uh, you mentioned getting into podcasts being because you're on Upwork and then transitioning from Upwork into your own business. How long was it that you were creating or editing for people on Upwork until you decided to go create your actual own business and brand? Or did that business and brand already exist when you went out to start freelancing?
1: No, yeah, it didn't, it didn't exist at all. That kind of happened probably 12 months in where I started to go, A, I love this. I want to keep doing this. And I've always been very entrepreneurial. My father is an entrepreneur. Like I've got that in me for sure. And I start, I always go, what else can I do? Like, how can I make this bigger? How can I make this better? How can I blah, blah, blah? So it was at that point where I felt like I loved it. I wanted to keep doing it. And I could see that there was a market for it that I went, I'm going to make this a full blown thing.
0: I love that you said, in between parenting cycles or child children's cycles, I think you said, because a lot of the youth that I work with are teen moms. Mm. They have a lot of entrepreneurial bones in their body. In fact, they're not very good oftentimes at having bosses. So it's like supporting them and like, yeah, you could be an entrepreneur. Don't doubt yourself or whatever. You know, if you're speaking to them and kind of telling them where to start, would it be like freelancing? Does that make the most sense to you?
1: Yeah, freelancing makes the most sense. Absolutely. Knowing what time you can allocate is key and not getting sad when you're not hitting your goals fast enough because kids take up so much time and they need your time. But knowing that you have to carve some area out for you and being realistic with what that actually looks like. So for me, I was super into this. So I would go into naps. I would just go, okay, well, I can do in a nap cycle. I could do, you know, an hour and a half, 2 hours here in the middle of the day and then nothing else until the baby went to sleep and I would do an hour, you know, another 2 hours then from like 7 till 9. Still hitting my sleep needs <laughs> there. But that's all I did, like three hours a day. And I would do that every day. And then on the weekend, um, when my part- partner was around, because he was a doctor at this time. So, I mean, obviously, I had financial support there from him. But he was only an intern. It's not like they were, we were making a bunch of money. In fact, it was certainly the opposite at that point. But... He was home sometimes and then I could do like a full day or I could do a half day or something. You know, there was some other point throughout the day. I had no help from any other family because we were in a different state. So it was really me going, I want this enough to create time and space where I get it done.
0: And then it just kind of snowballed and grew into, I'm going to build my own brand and yeah. turn this into a more of an official business overall.
1: That's right. Snowballed, snowballed, kept going, kept going. I hired a couple of people. My husband actually left doctoring. He left wow. because he was like, I don't like this. You're having a great time. Like, your life's great. <laughs> I want that, <laughs> you know? And so, he left.
0: And so did he build his own brand as well or he's working with you?
1: work. he came to work for Bambi Media just because it was... And you know what? That's when it could take off, really take off because him being where he was in that space, uh, having a doctor as a husband is insane. Uh, The hours are crazy and it really does... You have to sacrifice a lot of yourself because they're never home. So unless you have nannies and all sorts of other support, it's not really possible. When he left was when it really went... (laughs) Cause I could go, oh my God, you can do all these things like sort kids out or whatever. I'm gonna go over here now and explode this thing. And it did, it absolutely exploded because I could at that point. So you get there, it's a journey.
0: Yeah, it, it certainly did and certainly has. And I've witnessed a lot of it as much as we can through socials or chatting online or these kinds of things. And it's been really awesome to witness. It's always interesting. I said right at the top of this interview that there are so many directions we can take that first question that you answered in who are you and what you do in so many different areas. And just to think back to some of them, like I would have loved to dive into that experience you had hearing your teacher play mm. guitar and then kind of what the rest of elementary was like. And as as well as you mentioning your hearing and learning more about that, or now mentioning at the very end of our interview that your uh, husband quit being a doctor and you work at least in some capacity together. I'm sure there's lots of lessons that we could share about couples that try to work together and, 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 (laughs) but at some point I know we have to drop the mic and this is why I feel that so often we're like, okay, now it's getting pretty booked up, but maybe you could be episode 124 or something to tackle some of these topics because, you know, we certainly could talk about so many of these things for so long. Again, the entrepreneurship piece, starting that female led company, you know, I think that stands out as part of your brand very effectively. I'm sure it's at least partially by design. And I think a lot of people would appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many things.
1: Yeah. I love that. (laughs) This is it. So many things, isn't it? Uh, I think when it's been so varied too, like my life has been very varied, which is so exciting for me. And it's, it's really cool to have all those aspects that you can talk on you feel like and I'm what am I 37 37 uh and it feels like I've done so much already like it's it's pretty cool
0: well, you certainly are accomplished. We're almost the exact same age. Awesome. Yeah. And it's exciting with gratitude for being our age and being able to still look forward to the future. And, you know, those kinds of things is, is exciting times. Yeah. For example, about the idea of how we're all multi-passionate, though, I interviewed a semi-stupid. He has a pretty big brand on TikTok and Instagram and same kind of thing. I think it was offline, but we were laughing because we never really talked about creating for social media. He's like a filmmaker. We didn't really talk about film too much because we just didn't get around to it. And we're like, that's
1: <laughs> you didn't even get that's
0: it. all right. We're going to come back to that in the future and it'll be a fun episode too. And so along those lines, yeah, you know, in fairness, I'm sure you've got lots to do today. Is there anything though that like you feel like you might've left out that as far as this episode and this first roundabout goes that uh, I'd hate to move on and you're like, oh, I was going to mention this.
1: No, I don't. I really don't think so. I think this has just been a great conversation around letting yourself go not like letting yourself go and eating a bunch of crap food and, you know, becoming a fat mess on the couch. I mean, like letting yourself go and your inhibitions to have more fun. That's that's the biggest thing, the biggest driving force for my life ever is, am I having any fun? And if I'm not, Where are the elements from my childhood that I need to bring back in here because I had a buttload of fun when I was a kid? What do I need to bring into my life that I know I love that will create that sense of fun, the creativity, the spark that I know I have and start implementing some things little bits at a time until you feel like you are getting a sense of yourself and perhaps you've lost that sense of self over time for life circumstances, things that have happened to you. Reflect enough in yourself to go where has my spark gone and where are the little things that I can then bring back to start building that back up again.
0: Well, you said no initially to my question as to whether or not you had any last thoughts. and uh, <laughs> That was an incredible one that ended up coming out because uh, I think that's pretty special. And uh, yet again, we could do an entire episode on how to help people recapture that childlike the scientist and creative person that's, that's buried in there sometimes. So I always ask a few of those rapid fire theme questions like podcasters often do. And maybe that's it, but maybe a quote comes to mind or something. The first question is, if you were to leave one piece of advice behind for For the next generation, your children, what have you, what would that piece of advice be?
1: Be conscious of others, definitely. We're leaving a legacy for what's coming next. And sometimes that's a bit scary because I feel like the legacy is not so great right now. That would be my biggest thing is be conscious of others and the impact that you make.
0: Beautiful. And one thing that you yourself are learning right now, so it might be super random, like juggling or on brand, but something that you yourself are learning right now.
1: Oh, okay. Something I'm learning right now is it's how to start a a network. No one really knows this yet, but we're creating the Bambi media, like the Bambi network. So you know how you've got Wondery and you've got Gimlet and you've got, you know, Luminary and all these networks that shows are underneath. We're just about to launch ours, which is really cool. And so I've spent the last probably six months diving into how that's all going to work and the kind of shows we want to have on that network. Uh, so that is something that has been a piece that I've been learning a lot about.
0: That's really interesting. I'm excited. Look forward to uh, seeing more of that. It doesn't often come up in conversation and perhaps because podcasting is a relatively new medium in the sense that it's shifted from radio show with radio networks into the internet and then now podcasting networks. That's cool. I'll be cheering for you for sure and look forward to seeing all that success. And then if you were to ask me a question, your opportunity to steal the microphone.
1: Where do you feel like you lack fun right now? Hmm
0: that's interesting and maybe this may be we'd have to play them all back the most stumped that i've ever been (laughs) with a question and i feel like if I'm being super, you know, vulnerable and just honest, trying to circle back to making sure that I'm reconnecting with family, whether that's, you know, immediate like my wife and making sure that we're having enough time aside from all the business and super success heavy goals to actually not just say like, Hey, we're going to do a date night and maybe watch a movie and fall asleep 10 minutes into the movie. Cause your parents, but, you know, maybe going out to an escape room or checking out a comedy show or doing something a little more unique and in, in in the same way. And I think losing my brothers was a big part of this is just remembering to get together with friends and family more, like you said, like we did when we were younger. You know, what are those things from our childhood that maybe are lacking a bit? And I suppose that those would be a couple areas. I think with our kids, we do a pretty good job. Although, one thing that I would love about being a freelance entrepreneur is to not necessarily have to have them go do the too much of the school and daycare and the whole thing that surrounds that life. Yeah. So that would be a third thing that comes to mind. And I remember hearing Pat Flynn talk about that when he really got into lifestyle design around his business and podcast was like, okay, I want to be able to walk my kids to school or I want to be able to pick them up and and go for lunch and maybe go have some fun, take them to the trampoline park. Like those are, that's some of my biggest aspirations is to create memories for them yeah. when they're in their preteen, at least years, you know, late elementary school years. That's a whole other topic, but a, pe- a lot of people say that teachers are glorified babysitters, and as an educator by trade, I just can't even get into that right now. but that said there is an element of it right because there's an element of like they need to go there because dad needs to go to work yeah and so trying to figure out a little more fun in that world too i appreciate that question that one really made me think
1: (laughs) good it's it's something that you should reflect on i reflect on it often and go where do i need to shift Mm -hmm. like what's I'm feeling a bit stuck. Like what's going on?
0: Right. Well, I think part of the thing, and it was a good thing. It was a good thing that I was stumped is because like at work, that's all I do is have fun. Uh, Like in my day job, like we just make music and we just mess around and, And have fun or you know tease each other and like I still play sports and you know these kinds of things and that's just always fun and and so I think our weekends with the kids are always fun like I think you've got it
1: pretty good So
0: I think knock on wood we're doing okay so that's part of the reason why I was stumped but at the same time it can always be improved on and so I really really appreciate that that's that's a cool question uh and then the last one is always and maybe the most important because I want people to go support you is why perhaps but where people can find you online
1: I think if you're interested in following my music stylings, <laughs> um, go and do that TikTok Bambi Singer and and just have a little bit of a browse. of Just watch me explore what I'm doing with no attachment and that should give you inspiration to do the same for you. That's that. If you're interested in podcasting, business, all that sort of stuff, then go to BambiMedia.com. That's the website with all the information on how to work with us, I have an Instagram for that account as well. Uh, and you'll see the little things that start to happen with the network and, and all that as well going forward. But that's probably the the two ways to connect either with me on a silly level or a more business level.
0: Perfect. Both sides of the coin, that sort of counterbalance. I love it. It's a very well put together website Thank you as well. And so, yeah, I I wish you nothing but the best. And thank you so much for taking the most important asset you have time out of your day and uh, putting it towards this. I really appreciate it.
1: You're so welcome. What a great time. It was a really fun chat. I feel like we're really like good, just kindred spirits, you know, you're so easy to talk to as well. You're a really good interviewer. You really listen to the answer. And then you build off of it from an interview perspective. It's not like, here's my list of questions, please answer them. It's like, based off of what I say, you then frame it and, and move into something else. And then also circling back to something and pulling that in. Like you did really well with that. It's something I do by accident, obviously, because I edit and listen to a lot of podcasts, but I'm always listening to how someone interviews. You do a really good job. So A plus. <laughs> well done.
0: Oh, thank you. That means a lot. You know, people ask me all the time for little bits of advice. And I think that's one of the main things that I try and tell them. But people struggle with it because they get nervous. Just comes with time, I suppose. And also just like that, yeah, people overthink it. A lot of other people overthink it, right? I'm like, if you were sitting at a bus stop and you were just talking with, but it depends on the style of show too, to be honest, right? Like this is by design, it's not by accident. A lot of people would probably go away from this as an interviewer with a different style of show being like, oh darn, I wanted to ask these six things. (laughs) (laughs) Good chat.
1: Yeah, good. good. Talk to you later. You too. All right. Bye. Bye
0: jkl community thank you for being here and thank you to our guest brianna i feel like we could talk podcasting on a show once a week or even daily or something because she's so knowledgeable but kind and fun and creative as well i'm really interested in seeing where she and her team take bambi media over the next few years as always we love getting your dms or texts about the show if you have any input on guests or topics do not be shy please just let us know we really want to be here to help serve you when it comes to things like goal setting learning to learn and really just achieving those big dreams until the next episode all the best and remember just keep learning you're one step closer to making your big dreams come true but there's plenty more where that came from Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you know anyone who might love the show, send them a link. We'll see you next time on Just Keep Learning with Justin at Just Tries.